Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Tommy Flegler is up next. He's a 513K and the big positive for him is obviously moving clubs. He now becomes the alpha front row forward. You've got Tom Gilbert coming back, but it's in a different position and Flegler needs to step up for this Dolphins team to be great. He was kind of the third important middle at the Broncos there and we should see an increase in minutes. How many minutes is going to be the question? So if we look at him at over a 50-minute role, which there is only likely space for one of those in this team, we do see him have a 45 average. So that gives him pretty well close to eight points of value, which is is pretty close to 100K there, which is exactly what we are looking for here. Obviously has the buy in round three, but that does give you a looper in in that week as well, which can, can be very, very helpful in a round three when you you probably have sort of 18 or 19 guys that you could you could look to be playing in your side. So that looper is going to be pretty important there. The big thing with him there is obviously the sin bins of that. So in all the games in over 50 minutes, the 0.3 sin bin rate, which is absolutely wild. And they do really need him on the park. As much as they needed Felice Kafusi last year, that that did hurt them as well. So I do think that's going to be something that uh you know he he's well he would know well enough about that that he needs to get that down given he is the most important guy in this team whereas for the Broncos they could get away with him missing some time off the park I just don't think that can happen here at the Dolphins so if he reduces that a little bit it it brings it back closer to 10 points of value which would be enough as a purchase in your side yeah, it, uh, obviously take, taking the negative side here, the important thing to look at is the frequency at which he actually played those big minute games. Obviously we know why they had Haas and Carrigan there who who play big minutes, but I mean, it's is is did he play more minutes because he got Sinbin so he had an extra sub or does he get tired and frustrated and do something stupid when he plays more minutes and end up in the Sinbin? It's probably... <laughs> you know, one or the other, but I had a bit of a look at the Dolphins rotations and it seems like there's really, there's a, there's a role there for a 55 to 60 minute guy and a, which will obviously be Gilbert. And then there's a role there that they, the next highest guy was sort of ranged. It was kind of more like 45 to 50 than it was 50 to 55 last year. I don't know if that was a function of personnel, uh, but you know, the thing is with the Dolphins is they actually have a old forward pack, but there's a lot of guys there who are capable of playing minutes. And, you know, a lot of guys that, that perform better, you know, over 
a longer stretch. So my concern with Flegler is if, you know, that sample that you were looking at before over 50 minutes, uh, if you pull that down to 45, um, his average goes to 42.7 in 50 and a half minutes. And that's losing 0.8 points per game to Sinbin. So, I mean, even if you put that back on, it still only gets you to sort of 43 and a half, which he's priced at 37. So that's kind of only six and a half points of value, similar to what we were sort of discussing earlier with, uh, with Brandon Smith, that it may just kind of not quite be enough. And you really want to see him pushing that 50, 50, like minimum 50 rather than, you know, like hitting 50. So it's, it's kind of a a line and the trials aren't going to tell us anything. So Mm. it's really going to be a a gut feel, you know, for, for that. Um, I mean, the other part of it as well is, is, you know, do we see his PPM with a little bit of an uptick now that he is going to get asked to do more work with, you know, Haas and Carrigan, obviously being, um, you know, being guys who get through a lot of work. So, you know, maybe we see a, a slight sort of increase in his his PPM to sort of compensate for that or, and there's sort of a limited amount of tries there as well. I mean, it's the, the concern is, you know, we've sort of brought it up with a, a few other players where you've highlighted it in this sample of 45 minute minimum games There's 18 games over the last two years, which is a pretty healthy sample. Um, and in that there is one, two, three, four, five, six out of 18 games. So a third of the games are under 40 av- uh, like points. So, you know, it, where you, where you got a guy with a 37 break, even if he puts two mid 30 scores in a row together or low thirties, like there's a, there's two right next to each other here, a 32 and a 38. If he does that off the butt, off the bat, you're going to be sort of, you're losing money, not gaining it. And then you, you know, it's kind of in the rolling average. So um, with 33% of games being, being sub 40, it's likely that you're going to have one in there spiking your, your price rises. And I think you're much better with a few other guys, you know, like you to be the Totolas of the world personally. Yeah, definitely. And just a little side note on that, the guys that we have, we're kind of like stretching them to get that 10 points of value, right? They have all been in that 500 K to 600 K range. And and we know, I know personally last year, that is a, a range that hurt me with guys like Egan Butcher. So it can, it can work out for some, but it can be a bit of a failure and no money made or even some money losses with some other guys. And, and Flegler could be the money maker. He could be the money loser or the plotter as well. Uh, that doesn't help you at all. And, and he's fairly expensive. Like anything over 500 K in your starting team, you know, as we know, there's not many guys in our side that you can slot in sort of over the 650, 700K mark. It's like three to four. Uh, so, so, you know, the guys in the 500K that range is likely room for maybe two of them. So, and are they, you know, guaranteed to go well? And and a lot of the time it's not. So something to note in your side. And there you go. Speaking of a 550K bloke, Shawnee Lane there. Get into the positives for Shawnee. Well, it's funny actually that he's the next guy up. I didn't know this is a happy coincidence. Yeah. I just got my team up on my other screen here and I um obviously precipitated from the conversation earlier about Kyle Flanagan. I switched Kyle Flanagan out and put one <laughs> Sean Lane in. So, wow. you know, it's happy coincidence that he's up. Uh obviously, you know, I sort of mentioned uh, when we were talking about Penasini, uh, Sean Lane's 2022 season where he just absolutely exploded for the Eels. Um, uh, uh, taking a little bit of a side detour, 
one of the quality assurance things that we did in our projections this year is we actually have been looking at the correlation between average team fantasy points per week is in like for, per club, Cowboys, Eels, Dogs, whatever. Um, the correlation between fantasy points scored on average per week and ladder, real life ladder finishing position. Mm-hmm. And um, what we found is over the last four seasons, uh, every single team that's been a top four average projected scoring team has come in the top six. Okay. Uh, and based on our projections, the Eels are a top four projected team. So theoretically, they should be in the top six this year. So uh, obviously a better team, more attack, uh, Dylan Brown, you know, full, you know, no off-field sort of stuff. I'd, I'd like to see that combination of Dylan Brown, Sean Lane and, and Harper get going. And I mean, Lane had an average of over 50 when he was playing on that edge in 2022. Um, but even before that, he was a pretty solid scorer. Uh, so, you know, if he's playing a 70 to 80 minute role on the edge, he's uh, yeah, he's a weapon. And obviously the the biggest problem that you're going to have is trying to squeeze all these Eels players into your team. Yeah. Especially if you're looking at Moses too, eh, mate? Yeah, between Moses, Lusick, Penasini, Sean Lane, you know, there's there's a lot to like there. So and Hopgood is is actually a, a sneaky little bit of value as well, potentially. Oh, yes, he's gonna be good regardless, isn't he? So yeah, I suppose you're looking at last year, guys, and and the big thing you hear is the reason why he's been priced up, unfortunately, at that 41 break even is just based on his scoring last year when he got those big minutes. So they've got him at 40. Uh, is what he averaged and no attack, no attacking stats in that, but there was good reason for it. It was because yeah, Dylan Brown was there. So there's no issues there. He did not look the same player. And that is the big worry coming into 2024 is that he comes out and yeah, looks very similar to last year or maybe a tiny bit better, but that tiny bit better. Does that get into a 44 or 45 average and, and a, you know, a good seven, good five to seven points below his two best seasons with big minutes, or does he actually come out and look great? You really want to be looking at the trials with Lane, and if he doesn't look anywhere near what he did in uh, in 2022, even like 10 to 15 percent worse than that would be would still be okay. If he looks sort of 25 percent less than that, looks similar to last year in any way, then uh, there is some good reason to think that he um, he will plod in sort of the mid 40s and only be sort of four to six points of value for your side. And again, in that mid 500s price could be a little bit of a waste for you. So it's important to remember with Sean Lane that he had that jaw fracture in the like late st- stages of the preseason. And I think he lost like 10 or 15 kilos um, oh, just wow. from not being able to eat. So that obviously changes his playing weight pretty dramatically. And, and, you know, you see that in the lack of attacking stats. Uh, and then obviously before he could get going, he had a, a, um, was it hamstring and then a dislocated elbow. So it's, uh, you know, bad, bad injury luck for him. And, and obviously there's uh, a lot of upwards potential. He's my massive trials watch. He's one of like three players that I like have to watch and see. Um, And then it, yeah, then it's a big question to see, does he make the side? Okay. Nico Hines. I am actually a lot higher on, on him than most people are, but it is like very, very difficult to get him and Cleary in. And with Cleary's ownership so high, like you talk about with your, um, your what pod pod ownership uh game theory strategy there pods are, pods are overrated yeah pods are overrated yeah jump on their website guys and 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 check that one out if you haven't but um yeah to have 
the the pod side of this, what is the upside on it? Yes, clear, yes, Hines is an absolute superstar, uh, but you do need to be aware that if you go for Hines and uh, you know, Cleary outscores him over the first bunch of weeks, that's 40-odd percent of, of people that uh, are ahead of you in that time. And it's very, very hard to claw back that many people given Cleary will be the captain as well. But Nico Hines on the positive side, their draw is absolutely terrific. Obviously, Warriors to kick things off is the harder one, but that the Warriors aren't one of, you know, what last year were the two hardest teams to score against being the Panthers and the Broncos. So not a, a big worry for him there. What we are looking at with Heinz though is a player and a team that for a lot of last season looked pretty clunky. And I definitely see some some upside on on the Sharks, given they you know regressed a little bit last last year and sort of the third year together now. Uh there's definitely um, you know, signs of that helping things out in, in terms of their team, but obviously his scoring as well with their consistency and the like. So when they were fairly clunky, they they would lose games. Nico Hines had a, a pretty uh, a pretty average scoring line, whereas when they were sort of in in tight games, even when they even when they lost or won or they were winning, he was up well into the the mid seventies and above. So that's what you need to look at with Hines is that he has a better draw than that of Cleary. And he's an absolute superstar with potential to to play even better, given there was a lot of noise last year, especially around that middle part of the season when your know, origin happened and the like. Um, you know, he then had some games just after that origin time where he had a 61, 59, 34 um, before sort of Trindle was in there, which was interesting. Take it away. Yeah. Um, I have a few concerns with Hines. Most of it has to do with uh, coming off the ball, coming off the boot. So, Obviously, we know he's an attacking weapon. We know he's a superstar, great guy, great player. Um, last year, he actually gave up the goal kicking to Braden Trindle in parts of the year. I think he was carrying some sort of injury, which is why he did that. But I guess the larger point is if it happened last year, there's nothing to say that it won't happen again when you've got a viable second option like Trindle, who has an 80 plus percent goal kicking season in under his belt. And I mean, last year it was 72, which is not great, but that was kind of not, not being the regular kicker though as well. So I guess my concern is there like the goal. If, if Heinz was to lose the goal kicking, that would be just a huge problem. Cause that was eight points of his average last year. But yep. then <laughs> even assuming that he keeps the goal kicking, uh, Trindle absolutely kicks more than what Hines does. And in the last game of the season, Trindle actually had more kick meters than what Hines did. Once again, could have been that he was carrying an injury, but you know, Hines averaged about 400 kick meters a game last year. If that was to go down to 300 even and, and keep the lion's share, that's three points, which is actually six. Cause you should have the captaincy on him. If you got him in, in lieu of, of Cleary, um, so, I mean, the draw is is a big one because he does, he is an absolute flat track bully. That's 100% confirmed that he does beat up on bad teams. I think he had an average of like 80 something against bottom four teams last year. Um, I'll, um, I'll actually just confirm that, but um yeah, he's just an absolute superstar. So uh, it's uh, the the big concern for me is if he was to lose the goal kicking and keep an eye on the tries for that because that's a you know red alert panic button yeah. you know air raid siren if he's not kicking goals. 
Um, but you know, even still, all it takes is to, for that average to move from 73 down to 69, 70, and and Cleary average 76 if you if you take out that uh, you know Sinbin game or send off game. Was it? No, it was a hamstring. Hamstring. Injury. Yeah. Yep. So if you take that out, he averaged 76. So that's, you know, that's the downside for Heinz. Beautiful. Uh, and then Cleary, positive side for him, mate. Oh, well, aside from uh, being the future uh, best player ever to play rugby league, which pains me mm. um, to say, uh, he's just so critical to everything. The Panthers are looking to be a gun team again, you know, they lose uh, guys and, and just replace them with players that are just the same or better. Obviously the frequency, you know, we saw uh, Hines not get a hundred points once last year, as you can see on the screen there, clearly did it three times. Uh, the Panthers are still going to be good. Uh, the reliance away from Jerome Luai is a thing, but also maybe it's the Jerome Luai, you know, comeback tour or the, the, the goodbye experience or whatever. And the ball goes away from Cleary. He also does start slow. Typically. Um, like when I say start slow, what's at a 60 average, which for most players would be amazing. Um, but what you don't want is you don't want to see him come out and put up a 45 or something against Melbourne end or Parramatta and the Broncos. And then you yeah, miss a game against Manly or the Tigers where he puts up 110. So um, I think it's just safe, particularly with the high ownership being so high at over 50% wow. that you, you sort of, the, the, your fellow fantasy mates aren't giving you a choice. You have to start with Cleary because <laughs> if he does come out in round one and put a hundred on the storm and Nico Hines, you know, kicks for 250 meters and gets a 55, you just, you may as well put your team in the bin and start again in 2025. Yeah, I wanted to start with Hines so bad. And then I saw that ownership and I was like, what? It's very similar to that with Payne Haas, obviously, as well. Um, my only two worries that I have with Cleary, I, I, there was a small worry on the knee, but I'm not worried about that now. Inner physio says that's fine. Uh, it is the eight days between the World Club Challenge in England, which is a t- terribly long trip for anyone who's done it. And then the fact that they have a tough draw. So if it was to be Hines over Cleary, Hines has the the better draw. We know he's the flat track track bully, as he said. Cleary is almost fixture proof, uh, but he does have some low games there. When the bunnies are on song, you see they're the thirty seven. You see when you know he seems to step up against a few teams like the Panthers, but even the Storm, he can have some lower games here and there. The sixty one from the Broncos, who you know obviously beat them in that first game last year. So if they happen to start a little bit slow like they did last year, then it could be a small issue for Cleary. But yes, that's that. All right, let's do a short one on Spencer Lenu there. You, I'll take that away with the positive side for him. Really, the positive side for him is that he had a fairly low PPM last year and all of the previous years that he has had, and he's been in the league now for five seasons, his PPM has been well over a one. So if you look at 2023, it was down at 0.87. He got extra minutes. So, you know, is that correlation? is that a correlation? It could be, but I also do think that the you know as soon as he's getting over that forty minute mark is when there's you know some slight issues obviously with tiredness and the like but anything under uh, under forty uh, for any fit NRL player uh, they should be completely fine so there is some bounce back potential for the uh, the PPM with a sort of a mid thirties to forty minutes so if he was to get a little bit of a bump at the Roosters then he could get himself up closer 
to sort of that 37 to 40 points mark, if you can get close to a one PPM. Uh, and that would be very, very helpful for Spencer. That is all the positives I have on him. Marco, take it away. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I I have a lot of concerns about Lenu. Um, You know, just the roosters and the the type of player that Spencer is versus like some of the other players that they have and what they offer. You look at what Lindsey Collins, Victor Radley, uh, Terrell May, you know, these guys have in common, they can play big minutes at, at a consistent level. And, you know, it may be that Lenny's in an identical role at the Roosters of what he was at the Panthers. Um, you know, he's just getting paid more to do the same thing. He's very, very good at the role that he does. Um, maybe they won't move him. And, you know, we could definitely see a cut and paste season from what he did last year to this year at the Roosters. Um, the Roosters obviously have some gun outside backs. Um, they're my predicted grand final winners this year. So uh, obviously a lot of depth, a lot of quality depth. And, and, you know, I've, I've got a lot of concerns that it, we might just see 35 minutes for 32 points from Lenu and, 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 you know, sort of only two or three points of value. Yep. And again, when you're talking about those bench guys, you, you want sort of in those two hundreds kind of category, that can get you close to that 30 points anyway. So saving plenty of money, James Tedesco, give us the positives on James, mate. Yeah, I actually um, am quite up on Tedesco. Um, there's no way that I'll start with him uh, just due to my plan at wing fullback. Actually, no, that's not true. Um, but it would take a lot. It would take a lot for me to start with him. But obviously the Roosters, they're a gun team. Tedesco's a gun player. Obviously you can see there straight off the back, he had an injury-affected game in round five there. So that's some instantaneous value if you just you know take that one sample out. But I mean, you know, he sort of spoke about the fact that he was sort of trying to overplay his hand a little bit last year and, you know, that showed up in the numbers. But, I mean, he's a pretty consistent 54, 55, 57 average guy every year for his entire career aside from last year. So, or at least the recent part of his career since, you know, 2018 or whatever it was. So he's um, a prime candidate for a, a bounce back off the back of the Roosters and, it wouldn't shock me to see him up at 55 again this year and presenting some nice value. Definitely. On the negative side for Tedesco, I see they're pretty tough draw, really. The Broncos and the Panthers in the first four games, Manly and Rabbitohs as well, who should be better. Um, Tommy Chaboyevich is fit at the moment. You know, Latrell's fit. They've got plenty going on there in those four games. And we know that the last two years, they've started really, really poorly, the Roosters. And they're the two that we're going to look at there in those starts. And it obviously negatively affects him given he's looking for attacking stats and they do need to get back to the starting form they had in 2021, where he picked up a triple and a double in the first two weeks before going on for a couple more tries in 2021. And then obviously in 2020 as well, um, a lot of slow one to start, but exploded in there. And the really, can you expect that from someone that's now two years older uh, coming off a little bit of a tougher season against a tough draw? It could be, but I don't think it's going to happen in round one. More, more than likely it could happen here 
and he could be an awesome pickup in round five. So I won't be starting with Tedesco. Callum Ponga, positives for him. Gee, there's a, there's a good good chunk of them, that's for sure, especially at the fullback position for him. And all we have to look at is the back end of last season to show that he has incredible upside there at 63. But even across his career at fullback, we'll get him over 60 minutes. We'll take out those concussion-affected games that you're going to talk about. But uh, we're looking at a lot of numbers here for a 54 average, sitting there priced at that number you're very, very likely to get at least that number from him with a potential for some upside that he showed in the back end of last year with goal kicking, which he didn't really have in the previous seasons as much. So there were random random seasons where he had to start with the goal kicking, uh, but other times where he didn't. And you're looking at a draw that doesn't feature the Penrith Panthers in that first chunk of weeks. So we know that that's his killer team. Um, he picked up a try and a 17 in that round 17 game last year. And so therefore he could definitely be a better, a great guy to start with to get you some good points in a wing fullback position that we aren't sure yet. It could be pretty tough given a Campbell has a buy in round two and we're not sure how Pap is going to be. So could be a good idea to slot him in. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously you did some of my dirty work for me and, and talked about the concussions, but I mean, at the end of the day, every player is a chance of getting a concussion. He's definitely a higher than average chance of getting one, but you know, let's, let's not, let's not sort of sit there. Um, looking at Ponga's career uh, since 2017, this is fullback 71 plus minute games. Uh, his attack per game on average is 25, 28, 27, 29, 30, 26, and then 38 last year. So he had a (laughs) massive explosion in his attack, which just happily coincided with the Knights just absolutely demolishing a bunch of bad teams. And, you know, my concern is with, uh, with Cogga coming in and, and potentially taking the, you know, the, the role of, gamble and you know seeing um you know Fitzgibbon's gone and, and Frizzell's allegedly moving over to the left and we're gonna have a Kai Pierce Paul and you know obviously Gagai had an absolute ripper season last year at 55 average in center which is just ludicrous. Yeah uh, I think that there's probably some overall regression coming for the Knights and you know what we could see is Ponga move back to his career average of you know high twenties instead of high thirties attack, which is 10 points off his average. And it takes him from, you know, 63 average or 62 and a half at uh fullback last year down to, you know, 55, which is still awesome, but mm. that's where he's priced. So what you're relying on is him repeating a massive outlier season uh, at, you know, and if he doesn't, if he just does what he's done every other year of his career while he's been awesome, um, you're getting an at value player in wing fullback where there are some awesome options like, you know, your Pappenhausen's and Campbell's who sort of are more straight bat sort of selections. For sure. Uh, Josh Schuster, give us the positives, mate. Uh, well, this is a tough one because I'm mm. not a Schuster believer at all. We're both the um, same, I, mean, I think. The, yeah. The, uh, the, the thing is obviously with Schuster, we've seen before uh, when the Seagulls are humming and he's playing on the edge, He's a, an absolute weapon. Uh, you know, you see there, you got on the screen, average 47.4 uh, on the edge. And, you know, he's pretty economically priced. So, I mean, 
really he just needs to pull his socks up and be fit and he'll, you know, absolutely romp in 10 points of value. Um, but, you know, maybe that's easier said than done. Um, but assuming that he's playing on that left edge, you got, you know, Luke Brooks and totally Cola playing out there with him, which is, you know, a really nice running combination. He doesn't have to do the running part, which is good for him. <laughs> he can do the <laughs> passing and putting people through a gap part, which, which sort of works, you know, back rowers by, you know, default are going to get 25 to 30 tackles and 50 to hundred meters. You sort of at a minimum, unless it's Kelma to um, who somehow manages to avoid doing any work at all out on the edge. But, um, you know, he, you know, and then obviously the, the, the attacking upside of Schuster could push him, you know, higher again than that 47, you know, if everything clicks for Manly with, uh, with Tommy Turbo and sort of sweeping down that edge and, and causing havoc. So, and obviously there's some try upside there too. He only got two tries in that sample. Mm. Yeah. You could, like, it could be pretty to watch. That's for sure. Uh, main issues for him, the injuries in the preseason, finger, whatever it is, um, out for a month, stopped him training as much. Obviously, fitness-wise, he can still get into that. But uh, we're going off numbers here that was absolute peak Schuster. We thought he was the next biggest thing in the world. Um, apparently, Manly still did and paid him. I surely, they didn't pay him that much. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, really, I'll, he's the second guy on my list that I want to see in trials, so him and Sean Lane. Uh, he's cheap enough that he could be great. Like, he, he doesn't have to play... He doesn't have to play the 80 minutes to get 40 there, but I do think there's the, obviously that chance for him to lose, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, something like that. And that just brings that 47 down just closer to that, to that 40 mark in itself. And then is he anywhere near the quality of player that he was a couple of years ago, two to three years ago now? And that's, you know, 2021 numbers. So my worries are with that. I'm not sure if he can do it, uh, but I need to see in trials that he's working hard um, and, you know, has some potential attacking upside, like you said, that he he was missing out on last season. Aiden Caesar, 477 for him. Gee, that 477 actually just looks like a, a tough number, that's for sure, given where he's been scoring at uh, across his career there. So we just go from, you know, he played plenty of time in the NRL. It's an average of 33. And that is, I'm assuming that there's a lot of those years, they're counting three for a tackle break as well. So an extra point on that one. Um, and he wasn't much of an offloader at that. So Caesar, big thing for him is he's moving obviously over to a, a team where he's going to be likely the kicker in general play and obviously the goal kicker. So if you're looking at that 33 average potential for, you know, anywhere close to sort of seven points of value with some goal kicking in there and some kicking in general play where his kick meters are, are very up and down, but at 210, there's scope for another sort of 100, 150 kick meters uh, in there, especially if he's with like a Fainu. If he's with a Sullivan, he'll kick a little bit, but not too much. So, you know, adding however many goals do you think they're going to get? He's already at a 0.9. Let's just say that's one extra goal per game. It's two points and then an extra sort of three to five points potentially with the kicking could get him sort of seven points of value, but a buy in round one, very awkward price at 477. I'm just uh, helping you out here, Anna. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was really, really hot on Caesar and I've sort of cooled a little bit, but I did a little bit of, of research. So um, when uh, Caesar so his uh, 2015 season, this is all adjusted for current scoring, by the way. 2015 okay. season, he averaged 44.7. So, I mean, he does have the ability to do that. Um, that was when he was at the Titans. 
He was doing 62% of the goal kicking in that uh, particular year. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, 62% of the in-play kicking plus the goal kicking. So he had 291 kick meters per game and 6.3 goals or something like that. So um, it's uh, obviously, I think that's filtered for 80 minutes. So maybe that's that's why that number is slightly that's different. Right, yeah. But Plus. yeah, um, yeah. so obviously he had a really good and then it was 28, 25, 24 and 30 after that, which obviously is not good before he left. Mm. But in all those seasons, he never once hit that 60% kick meter. Mark and he wasn't goal kicking or was sort of barely goal kicking, like only one point a game max. Um, and then also if you have a look at his by halves partner, which is a function that you could do on the rugby league fantasy pro uh, website. Um, when he partnered Daniel Mortimer, he averaged 38. Yes. When he partnered Josh Hoffman, he averaged 48. When he partnered Kane LG, he averaged 43.6. So he did have, uh, the you know the scoring there, but obviously when he partnered Blake, uh, Austin, Jack White, and Sam Williams, who awesome. used the boot a lot, um, you know, 21, 27, 26. So it really depends on. I think if we see Latu Fainu and we see that he's goal kicking, it's uh you know it's a, it's a forty mid forties average, which is kind of pretty close. But he's priced at thirty seven. He's kind of he's not somebody who's going to give you a big scores and he does absolutely have a low one in him and you need everything to go right to get that eight points of value. So, I mean, for mine, it's entirely possible that he's somebody that we should have bought and playing on a wooden spoon contending team with, you know, any number of halves that could join, um, you know, he may just be, he, I, the other thing is we're all assuming that Aiden sees is actually one of the first choice halves. Yeah. And, you know, it could very well be Luke Galvin, Lachlan Galvin and yeah. and Latu Fainu or Jaden Sullivan um, as a sort of a rebuilding year for the Tigers before Luai arrives. And, mm. you know, we have Fainu, Sullivan and Galvin competing for one spot and on the merry-go-round and Caesar's just there in a, you know, he's playing reserve grade and, and you know, he's a body at training similar to what James Tamu was for the Cowboys. So yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's. I don't know. It's uh, like I like Caesar, but I I can't see anywhere to. I would start with him. Yeah, he needs to, if he's three hundred something to be all right. All right, let's push through these last few there. About five minutes. See why Wong four forty four. Give us the the positives there. Um. Well. Um. The positives is it, if he's playing eighty minutes and um, you know, starting on the edge, he's gonna be a, a really strong scorer. Obviously, we spoke about that. Roosters, you know, high upside potential. You know, he seems like a young talent. You know, he's got lots of stuff going for him. Um, you know, doing your trick and helping you out. Obviously, his biggest issue is going to be getting the job and keeping it with all the uh, the options there. But assuming that we uh, we have a, a long-term Siwa Wong on the edge for 60 to 80 minutes, uh, ideally 80, he would be good, um, you know, a good scorer. Yeah. Price to 32, it is, it is hard to miss on him. But obviously, yeah, the minutes is a, a big worry. With that team, obviously getting that starting spot, keeping it, and and really just those games that he, that he did play in in the um in the final series where it was yeah it was a bigger minute game and then there was a 49 minute game and and the worry is with that bench that he he could have some 50 minute games and and he has a 30 in him. Um and then other games he'll have a 50 in him. So again, the volatility on that. Um, is probably the big thing with him, but it's it, it's hard to miss if he's in that starting spot. I think it even, you know, if it is a 60-minute 60, 60 average, some games 50, some games 
higher than that. I think that's going to be enough to get him a 40 uh, with some attacking stats in there for sure. Uh, Liam Knight uh, is where we're going to end up now at 385. So really the positive for him is that he has not had a really a good season where he's been well trained really well as well. And he's come out and said that he's been honest with where he's been at. And he, he comes to a team where he is needed to do really well. He wasn't that guy uh, at the South, at the South there, apart from sort of 2020 uh, where he had some really good games there and he kind of strung a bunch together. These are all games here under 40 minutes. He went 45, 41, 33, 40, which would, would be enough to be very, very helpful with a break even off 28. So if he is, if he is that starter in round one, um, with them having a, a sort of a fairly solid buy schedule, he's get he gets six games at the start of the season for you to make some cash on him, and he's probably a sell from there anyway before his buy or use him as use him as a looper and go from there. So Liam Knight under 400k is a bit nicer than in the 400s if you do need to save that ex- extra bit of cash. Yeah, I I haven't had Liam Knight in my team at all this preseason. I don't foresee that changing. Uh, my big concern here is just the availability of minutes. I know everybody's saying that the dogs don't have any middle forwards, but they've got two guys who can comfortably play 80 minutes on the edge and Curran who can comfortably play, you know, his average at lock is 75 minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at those three players, it you know, all of a sudden you've got, you know, two starters and four bench guys for 160 minutes. Uh, it dries up pretty fast. Kurt Mann averages like 55 minutes when he plays at lock. Yeah. Um, he's come to play lock, um, which will push Curran to the front row at the time when they're on the field together. Um, and my concern with Knight is I don't think that there's real minutes upside when you also consider, you know, what we saw last year with Jacob Preston um, and this year's pick to to be that one is, is Sam Hughes. We've also all got Curran and we should all have Hughes, meaning that we're doubling down and having three middle forwards for the Bulldogs is kind of, you know, in itself an exercise in insanity. So I, yeah, I, I actually don't really understand where the hype from Liam Knight's come from. I've got him doing like 35 minutes for 32 points or Mm -hmm. thereabouts and, and sort of not really presenting a huge amount of value because, you know, the thing is there, like if you filter that, if you take that filter and put a maximum 50 minutes on there, um, I suppose he doesn't play many games more than that, but you pull that down, it's, yeah, 35 average in exactly 40 minutes. Um, was he priced at 27 or something like that? 28, any lower than that, as you said, 35 yeah, minutes is the worry. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, even even that 40 minute sample for 35 points is kind of not, not really, not really there, you know? It's a punt, isn't it? Because, yeah, you could... We won't really know either unless coach comes out and says he's going to be the starter. He's going to get the 40 plus. Um, Cause if he's under that, it's a wasted pick, isn't it? And you may as well just go on. There mm. are going to be cheapies that come up as well, guys. So just remember that. Like it always happens in the last sort of two weeks and around trials that there's injuries as well. We just haven't had any injuries really in the off season that have, are keeping people out long-term uh, or even for the first month of the season or something. So that's going to happen. There will be cheapies. And that's where these kind of guys like Knight, fall by the wayside and we don't really talk about them. The Spencer Lean use and stuff. It's like, oh, they're just too much money compared to this 280K guy that I can grab or 230K guy uh, like that Dylan Egan from from the Dragons. So, mate, big thank you for coming on. I hope that um, brought some clarity to everyone. And, um, yeah, go check out the NRL Fantasy Amateurs on their, on their podcast and, and their website as well. I uh, appreciate you coming on, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me. Go the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.